Um, so I'm going to ask if you would make your way to Psalm 107. But uh, my wife couldn't come with me. My daughter um, couldn't come. Uh, my wife is, we just sold a house and bought a different house. And so she, when, you, uh, when you give uh, a woman a home or a house, she turns it into a home, right? And uh, so that's exactly what she is doing. And uh, so she couldn't be here, uh, but I got to bring my son. And so it's father-son time. And my son is uh, going into his freshman year of high school. He's 14. And, and uh, just sweet time for dad, you know, just be able to, to ride about 12 hours each way uh, to make our way down here. And so, um, guys, thank you. Um, you've made me feel at home. You've made my son feel at home. He's super shy and uh, introverted. So don't hold that against him because I am not. <laughs> I am not that at all. Um, but uh, Psalm 107. So I was doing my just time with the Lord, walking with Jesus, just my time with the Lord. And, and purposely, I've been leaving my journal off to the side because I felt like I was doing more study than hearing from God in my own walk with the Lord. And, and so I just happened to be walking through the Psalms at the time. And, and I get to Psalm 107, and I just reach over and I grab, I grab my white, you know, steno pad, you know, and I'm, I'm just like, there's something here. And I just began to write some things down. And I'm like, I don't know where the world is coming from. I'm preaching through the book of Deuteronomy now. And so I knew it wasn't for a sermon on, on Sunday. I'm just like, wow, God, you've given me like four or five different messages out of Psalm 107. What's up with that? Well, the very, it's like either later that day or the very next day, Thomas Harding uh, messages me and says, hey, uh, we, I need to chat with you. And, and so we do this little Zoom call thing and I'm going to say, I want you to pray about uh, speaking at our, at our youth camp. I said, well, well, you know, what's the topic? What do you want? And, man, it's about evangelism, broadcasting. And I'm talking about your faith. And I just held up my white piece of paper. And I said, I've got four or five messages that God just gave me. I think God wants me to be the speaker at this camp. And uh, so today, I want to just kind of give you an introduction on uh, where we're going to be, uh, what we're going to be talking about at camp. It's um, not even a typical camp topic. I'm like, wow, that's not a typical camp thing. And, and so Pastor Jay asked me to, to uh, come and, and to speak. And I said, well, what do you, and this is what every stinking pastor does, by the way. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, man. <laughs> God speaks through you too, man. So would you just speak to me and let me know what it, what it is? And he goes, man, it would be really great if you could kind of give us an introduction a little bit. And I said, man, that's, that's exactly where we're going to be. And so Psalm 107, we're not going to get very far. Uh, we're going to hold that off until camp. Um, so if you're a student and go into camp, buckle up. You're getting an, an introduction into that. And, and so I'm, I'm excited about what God has for us. But Psalm 107, verses 1, 2, and 3 is where we're going to be. Um, is everybody there? Say amen. amen. Verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would take these three verses and illuminate them to us. Lord, expose your word to us. Lord, expose our hearts 
uh, today, Lord. I pray that anything that we would, uh, anything that would hinder us from receiving your word, Lord, that you would deal with it now. Any sin issues, Lord, I pray we confess it, get right, Lord. I pray that your word will be as a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, Lord. I pray it'll be the washing of the word, Lord, that will cleanse us, prepare us. But Lord, we need to hear from you today. Lord, we don't need to hear from me. We don't need to hear from my notes. We need to hear straight from your word. And so, Lord, I just want to be your mouthpiece. Lord, I want to be a vessel that's clean and right and, and ready for, and prepared to, to speak your truth. So Lord, I pray that you would, you would speak, and Lord, that we would all hear from you and be challenged. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, when you get to Psalm 107, this is a psalm that historically is dealing with the nation of Israel returning home after their 70-year captivity. So they've been in captivity for 70 years. They, they make their way back. And this is a psalm that celebrates the, the, the restoration of the nation of Israel. So historically, that's what's happening. But doctrinally, it is a story. That it's, it's a psalm that points to a future restoration of the nation of Israel. And guess what? That happened 1948 or 1967 or whatever date you want to put on that thing. But it, it, so I like to go with the 1948 date. That's what, 73 years ago. From my math is right. Is that right? 73, 74 years ago? That, that, that's happened. And God has restored the nation of Israel. Prophetically, this psalm has now taken place. Now, inspirationally is where we're going to spend the majority of our time, right? So I understand historical application, the doctrinal application, but inspirational is kind of where we're going to hang out. Our, our practical application is, is it's a psalm that speaks to what God has done for us in the area of his salvation. And the fact that God has saved our souls, if you in this room are saved. If you're not saved, then today needs to be the day of your salvation. But it's not just about God giving us salvation. It's about our need to vocalize the fact that God has given us salvation. It's our need to broadcast it. And that's what the sermon title is today. Broadcast. Let the redeemed of the Lord talk about it. Say so. Broadcast. And put it out for the whole world to hear about it. And I know you're sitting, man, I hear about this all the time. I'm supposed to evangelize. I'm supposed to share my faith. I'm supposed to, yeah, I get it. And it just, we hear it so much. And we're convicted and we believe it so much. And yet, are we truly doing it? The fact is that God has to say, let the redeemed Lord say so. Isn't that amazing to you? It's amazing to me that God even has to say, hey, if you're redeemed, you ought to talk about that every now and then. You've got to talk about that. And that's what's happening here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and hath gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Guys, when you met that perfect girl, you talked about it. It drove everybody nuts. You talked about it. Isn't that right, Carl? You, you, you know it's true. Man, you just can't stop talking about it. You get the best deal at Home Depot or Lowe's. Man, you want to tell the world about, about it, right? You, you hang out with Pastor Jay and you go to a nice restaurant because you're a little foodie like this guy. You're going to tell the world, right? We tell the world about all the little stuff that doesn't matter. I'm not saying the ladies don't matter. I'm, ladies, you matter. Man, is your salvation something we're talking about? How many of you have been saved for five years? Ten years? Twenty years? Thirty years? Has that message become old hat? Has that just become something that you are? Yeah, you, man, I'm, man, yeah, I got saved. See, I got saved in July of 1993. 
was my sophomore year of high school, right after my sophomore year of high school. That tells you how young I am or how old I am, depending on who you are in the room. But that's when I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I couldn't stop talking about it. And what's crazy, a few years after that, I stopped talking about it. I just accepted it for what it was. Yeah, I'm saved. Well, praise the Lord. Well, God says to talk about it. We'll talk about it with who? We'll, we'll get to that. And so, verse 1, I want you to see that there's an earnest exhortation for God's people to be grateful. There's an earnest exhortation for God's people to be grateful. And I would put it this way. He says, oh, give thanks where? Unto the Lord. And so this is vertical praise, that you are, pra that you are praising God vertically. A little bit later, you're going to get to this horizontal praise in just a few moments. But he, there's, this, there's, this, there's this exhortation to be grateful. This, this, God, I'm thankful for salvation. Lord, I'm thankful that you saved my soul. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And guess what? And we know this. We sing songs to the Lord all the time. You can't turn on Caleb or whatever without somebody singing a praise to, to God. In other words, man, there's a lot of reasons to give God thanks. Amen. There's a lot of reasons to give God thanks. In, in fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, in everything, give thanks. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things. Man, I had a friend that used to say, man, I'll give God, God, God thanks in everything, but not for everything. You're going to have a hard time with Ephesians chapter 5. Because he said to give thanks for all things. Oh, by the way, all the time, always for all things. Unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God, in this passage, narrows it down to two things. Two things. He says, for, the, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Right, so the first thing I want you to get here is that God's nature is good. God at his core, his very nature, it says the Lord is good. What does scripture say about us? No man is good, right? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. I know, I get it. But this is interesting. If you really want to do a study, you better study the first mention of a word. And so the very first time the word good shows up in Scripture, you're going to find that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, if you ever read Genesis chapter 1, I'd encourage you to read it. It's a pretty good little chapter. Genesis chapter 1, he says, let, there's darkness upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God's moving upon the face of the waters. He says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. very first time you find the word good, it has to deal with God dividing light from darkness. And guess what God is constantly doing? In his goodness, he's constantly dividing light from darkness. And when you get to verse 4, you find out that the sun doesn't show up until a few days later. So what light is he talking about? This is the light of the Lord, right? It is the light of the Lord. That's why we read, we don't have this on your sheet or on the nose, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the, that the God of this world is doing everything he can to blind. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. What light is that? It's the same light that he's talking about in Genesis chapter 1 verse 4. The light of God shines in our hearts. So when you meet Christ as your Savior, immediately you're separated from darkness, and now you're in the, in the, in the light. And the light that shined in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4 is the same light that penetrated your soul. Is that not what we're talking about? I think that's what we're talking about. 
We should be talking about that all the time. So goodness is godness. That's, I mean, that's just the simplest definition of goodness I can come with. Man, that's, that's godness. You want to be good, you better be like God. That's the only way you're ever going to get it. So God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, Giving thanks unto the Father. That sounds a lot like, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, right? So Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of what? Darkness. That's pretty amazing that we get to be inheritance of the saints in light. We've been delivered. It means you were in bondage and you've been made free. Yeah, By the way, Scripture says made free, not set free. That's what the Scripture says. You can set me free and put me back in bondage, but I, when you make me free, I don't care what you do. I am free indeed. And, I can, and then he says, and I translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, one thing you'll find about me is I tend to get excited. I'm sorry. And this northerner tends to talk fast. Right? So I apologize if I need to slow it down. But I get a little excited sometimes. But it says here in verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And the last part of the verse is, For his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. So God's mercy, not only is God's nature good, but now God's mercy is eternal. God's mercy is eternal. Let's, let's check out the first mention of the word mercy now. So this word mercy shows up for the very first time in Genesis chapter 19 in verse 19. We don't have time to get into the whole story, so let me just jump right into this. He says, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy. First time you find it in the Bible. Well, what does mercy have to do with for the rest of Scripture then? And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And here's what you're going to find. You study mercy through the rest of the Bible, you're going to find that mercy deals with life saving, saving life. From, from the Genesis all the way to Revelation, mercy is almost always going to be tied to saving life. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Did you know you didn't get saved without his mercy? Why, why is that possible? Because his mercy endureth forever. It's eternal. And so when God saves, he saves eternally. Can I get an amen? There was a time where I didn't believe that. There was a time where I did not believe in eternal security. There was a time where I believed that once you were saved, you could walk away from the Lord and lose your salvation. Nobody could ever make it clear when that moment was, but I lived in constant fear that that was true. And I got to the point where so much though that I was a fear of losing my salvation, so many times I thought, well, I might as well just go do it. I might as well just go do it. And so at the age of 18, I walked away from the Lord for two years. Miserable years, by the way. Miserable years. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just get right one day and I'll, I'll, I'll get right with the Lord, but I was in no hurry because I didn't want to live in bondage anymore to a false, false truth. Amen. I met this beautiful girl. And she invites me to church. And I walk into Harvest Baptist Church in Iola, Kansas, and it's not like where I came from. But the word of God was preached and was proclaimed, and I'd never heard the word of God preached like that with power and authority. They actually believed what the Bible had to say, and it began to change me from the inside out. And I began to study the scriptures for myself and realize, whoa, when God saves... Because he's merciful. 
Now, the Bible says his mercy endureth forever. He doesn't give and he, take, he doesn't take away. I may walk away, but he never will. So I praise the Lord for that. But, but according to his mercy, he saved us in Titus chapter 3, in, in verse 5. By the washing of the regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. All right, so look over here, back in Psalm 107 again. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And then he says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So I ask you how many of you have been saved. All right, so if you know Christ is your Savior, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved. Put your hand in the air, wave it like you just don't care, right? Wave it. So you're saved, right? Praise the Lord. You know you're saved. Talk about it. Say so. Let the redeemed. In other words, you have permission. I just don't know when I'm supposed to do it. Well, God gave you permission. Let the redeemed. You've, you've been qualified. You've been equipped. You've been given been given the ministry of reconciliation, get after it. So here's the second main point. It's an earnest exhortation to be vocal. So there's an earnest exhortation to be, to be grateful and then there, it flows into, you better be vocal. You need to be, your mouth better be open. And I call this horizontal praise. So vertical praise is me praising God for my salvation. Horizontal praise is me pulling Cody off the side and said, let me tell you my story. And Cody's like, man, shut up long enough for me to tell you mine. <laughs> Why? That's horizontal praise, right? That, that's, that's praising the Lord to the children of men so that they can understand that what is my story can also be their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, I think there's three main things, three main points we can pull out just out of that phrase. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That tells me three things. The first one is this, that there are those who don't broadcast because they can't. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you aren't redeemed, if you aren't saved, you have nothing to say. You have no reason to praise. You've got nothing to say. You have no story to tell. You ever been around somebody who you think may be saved, but maybe they're not, and you hear their testimony, you realize... They ain't talking anything. They're talking, but they ain't saying anything. There's no story. They don't know Christ is their Savior. And the reason they don't broadcast is because they can't. They have nothing to say. Why? Because they haven't believed the story that will change their story. Amen? And if that's you today, if we just sang praises to God, and you were just mouthing the words, you couldn't praise you can't because you haven't believed the story. That'll change your story. Because only specific people with a specific message about a specific way are qualified to broadcast it. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Doesn't say let the preacher, let the prophet, Sunday school teacher, or the deacon. What does he say? The redeemed. Next thing I see out of here is the fact that we've already kind of addressed this. The fact that God has to tell them to say, talk about it, tells me this, that there are those who don't broadcast because they won't broadcast. And so the first crowd, they're, they're lost. The second crowd is the apathetic. 
their story is not worth telling anymore. They're not enamored with the fact that God has saved them. It's happened so long ago that they've forgotten who they were before they met Christ. So that God has to slide in here and give us verse 2 and says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Talk about it. You ever been around somebody who's lost like 50 pounds because they used some little pill or some little drink or some little this or some little that? They never stop talking about it. <laughs> Y'all, sounds like you know somebody like that. Well, maybe you are somebody like that. You know why they can't stop talking about it? Because they want you to know that there's a change in their life and, they, and they're usually talking to you because... They think you need it too. <laughs> Truth? They're like, hey, I've been waiting to talk to you. Why won't you talk to Jay? Because Jay don't need that message. Tony, you do. You need it. Okay, okay. They can't stop talking about it. It doesn't say those who've redeemed from 50 pounds talk about it. It says, those who have been redeemed from sin and hell and the weight of sin and bondage and addiction and uh, sexual trauma, all of that, talk about that. And then you can't take that message to the wrong address. It's not possible. It's not possible. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, but there's so many who don't because they won't. And I'm betting the majority of us in this room somewhat fall in this category. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to talk about it. When was the last time you did? Don't be apathetic to the message. But he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That takes me to a third little group because this third group, and this is a few. Honestly, these are the few. These are the thankful ones. Why? Because there are those who won't stop broadcasting because they can't stop. They just can't stop talking about it. They can't stop talking about it. They can't stop talking about it. You see, so we all kind of giggled because we all know somebody's got some pill or some little diet plan or something, and they run into you at Walmart, and you're doing everything you can to skip that aisle. Why? Because you're tired. You know when you go down there, you ain't talking about the weather. You're talking about what they're selling. You know what's going to come out their mouth. Do people know that about you? When they interact with you, do they know it's going to be about the things of the Lord? Do they know that you're going to be, hey, man, i got to tell you a story. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. Just talking about it. Because there are those who won't stop broadcast because they can't stop. Why? Because their story never gets old. It never gets old. You ever just studied and looked at Paul, Paul's writings, and how many times he talks about his salvation, how many times he talks about his testimony? I mean, you read Acts 22, he lays out his testimony. You get, I mean, you read about it in Acts chapter 9. Wow, that's awesome. Saul gets saved, his name becomes Paul, and you get to Acts 22, and it's like, I think I read that before. It's over here in Acts chapter 9. Yeah, he, he said it again. And then you get to chapter 26, and like, I, I think I read that before. Why? Right? Because he can't stop talking about it. 
He's always talking about it. And I think maybe he's successful in leading people to Christ and making disciples and planting churches because he can't stop talking about it. I, 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 just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's true. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, look what he says about himself. Paul says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained what? Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundantly with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? You! Me! Sinners! Of whom I'm chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting versus death everlasting. In Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1 verse 13 and 16, he says, For you have heard of my conversation in time past, who I used to be in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. In other words, he was born again, right? Separated from who he used to be, separated from bloodline. No, 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 it's no longer about my fleshly line. Now it's about my spiritual line. Separated me from my mother's room and called me by his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach. He's talking about his testimony. It doesn't sound anything like what he said in Acts chapter 22. It doesn't sound like anything he said in Acts 26. It doesn't sound anything like what he just said in 1 Timothy, but it's, it's a different aspect of his story depending on the audience that he's speaking to. Over and over and over again. Depending on his audience, depends on how he shares his story. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 through 10. For I am the least of the apostles, that, that am not me to be qualified, be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That sounds a lot different, and yet it's the same story. Over and over and over, but God, but God, but God, but God. Somebody's, somebody at your workplace is talking to you, and they're, they're laying out their, their whole story, and it's, it's sad, and they're broken hearted. They don't know what to do. And you say, man, that kind of reminds me of something that happened in my life. And, and I was in this situation, and, and, but God. But God. Now, you didn't hammer with the gospel. You didn't beat them over the head. What would you do? You were redeemed. And so you said so. You said so. We all have different stories, but it's the same one. Different backgrounds, different hurts, different issues, same gospel that saved. It's the same story. It ends with, this, it ends with somebody leading, coming to know Christ. Now quickly, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then it says, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse 3, and gathered them out of the lands, east, west, north, and south. So the question you should be asking, the question I was asking, the question I wrote down on my paper was, so what do I say? 
the Romans road. There's a time and a place for that. Definitely a time and a place for that. The question we should be asking is, what do I broadcast? If I was a radio station, right? W-T-O-N-Y. <laughs> Tuning in today. What in 365, right? Doing all this thing. Okay, what, what am I broadcasting? What should I be talking about? Skip to verse 8 for me. There's nothing's on, none of this is on the screen. Verse 8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Isn't that pretty awesome? Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for, wonder, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse, verse 31, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Same exact verse four different times, but we still haven't read it right. We still haven't read it right. Because it's not what it says. It does not say, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say, oh, that men would praise the Lord. No, it doesn't say that either. You know what it says? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's what the verse says. There's an exclamation point at the end of it. And so many times we read verses monotone. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful work to the children of men. Man, there's, in, there's, there's, there's punctuation in your Bible. Read it with inflection. Freak people out in the coffee shop. I'm just reading. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Okay. But did you notice this? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, vertical praise. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, horizontal praise. And I got news for you. You will never, ever be a broadcaster of your story. Ever. If it's not fueled vertical praise first. The reason we don't talk about it is because we're not talking about it with the Lord. Vertical praise fuels our horizontal praise. And the best broadcast... When we're asking what to share, what do I say, what do I broadcast? Okay, the best broadcast is to share your story while sharing the story of the gospel. In other words, sharing your testimony, and there's no possible way to share your testimony without sharing the gospel. If you share your testimony without the gospel, then you didn't share your testimony. There was no but God. I used to be in that situation, but now I'm not. Well, why not? Would you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, let me, let me share that. Man, I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, because it describes every single one of us in this room. We're going to read this quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. That's as big as I could get it, by the way. I apologize. And you hath he quickened. What does that mean? Made alive. Who were dead. I love that. Who were, past tense, dead in trespasses and sins. Everybody you know who does not know Christ is a walking dead man. Wherein in time past, 
Ye walked past tense, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Your enemies, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, verse 3, among whom also we all, past tense, had our conversation, manner of life, right? In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh under the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, come on, church, what does it say? But God, who is rich in mercy. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath made us alive, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Verse 6. By the way, it says, by grace ye are saved. Present tense. Everybody get that? I used to view salvation as something I got when I got to the pearly gates and Peter's like handing them out little tickets. That was my view of salvation. Yeah, I believed on Christ and one day I'm going to be saved. No, no, I am saved. Now, present tense. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together. Now put your noodle on this one. Made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody explain that one to me. Because that one's a hard one to get your mind wrapped around. I'm here, but I'm also there. And the best little, the best little analogy I can possibly say is when, when my brother and I were growing up in the same house. We had a little rule that if you got up from your chair, it was fair game, baby. Unless, unless you put something in your place and said, I'm sitting there. Well, I wasn't sitting there. I was in, in the kitchen finding me a bologna sandwich with mayonnaise. And, right? Mayonnaise and A1 sauce and put it, oh man, have you ever done that? Listen to the foodie. <laughs> Give it a whirl, baby. You come in and my brother's sitting there. I'm sitting there. And he goes, no, you got up. No, 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 I said I was sitting there. I was in both places. That, that seat was assigned to me. And God says he's made us sit together hold on to that word, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, future, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Now, verse 2, Psalm 107, verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Let the redeemed of the Lord. So what does that mean? We're redeemed through the blood, are we not? Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood. If your Bible doesn't have that, See Pastor Jay, he'd love to talk to you about that. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We're redeemed from iniquity. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from what? Iniquity. Is that what it says? This is all iniquity. If you, this is a little commercial break on the message just for a moment. Redeemed from all iniquity. I just keep struggling with this sin. I just, I just can't let it get it to let go of me. No, no, it doesn't have a hold of you. You have a hold of it. You've been redeemed from all iniquity. It no longer has power over you. So if you're still dancing, it's because you like to two-step with it, baby. 
who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, that just means purchase possession, peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so the simple thing, what do I say? What's the broadcast? I am no longer who I used to be. I'm no longer who I used to be. When you're talking to people and you're engaged with them in the workplace or at the ball game or wherever it is and they're sharing their story, that gives you permission to share your story. I don't know if you know that, right? So if somebody's sharing their story, they kind of want to have a dialogue. It's an opportunity to slide in and share your story and, and guess what it is? You're sharing your story. You say, I'm no longer who I used to be. Simple. I'm no longer who I used to be. I am redeemed. I'm redeemed through the blood. I'm redeemed from all iniquity. I'm redeemed from this issue. But not only that, verse 3 says, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. So not only am I no longer who I used to be, but I'm no longer where I used to be. I am now gathered. Praise Jesus. I was once scattered, and now I'm gathered. Truth? I was once scattered and now I'm gathered to a place where I belong, a place of community, a place of fellowship. See what I just did there? <laughs> place of community and fellowship. But listen, all the Jews were scattered through the whole world. And God says, I will restore the nation of Israel. And still to this day, He is gathering the nation of Israel back into Himself in the land, from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. Doctrinally, that's what he's dealing with. But look at around, man. Those of us who were once scattered are now gathered. Isn't that true? I'm no longer where I used to be, searching for a place to fit in, searching for community, searching for a place to belong, searching for all those things. No, God has gathered us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23, and he brought us out from this that he might bring us in. Why did he bring you out of the world? So that he might bring you in. That's why I can come here to Huntsville, Alabama and feel at home with my brothers and sisters in Christ because I'm gathered. Well, why am I gathered? Because he's made us to sit together in heavenly places. We're already gathered in heavenly places already. Did you get that? We're already gathered. And every Sunday when we come together, every Wednesday, every little Bible study, every men's group, everything, that is God gathering us together, reminding us and saying, this is future, baby. This is a future picture of what it's going to be. And he's gathered us together. He brought me from where I was to lead me to where I am today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And he brings people who are polar opposites. Truth? Because I got news for you. Look around the room. There's some opposites up in here. We have jocks and we have nerds. Right? We have foodies we have can't cook a day in my life. <laughs> we got all kinds of opposites, right? From one country to a different country. From the north to the south. 
right? We're from all different backgrounds. And yet, God fitly joined this church together. Ephesians chapter 4. Because you had something that this body needed. And this body had something that you needed. And you look at, and you're shaking hands and eating donuts and drinking coffee with people you would never hang out with. <laughs> Ever! And you know what Cody's thinking? He's like, man, only because of Jesus. <laughs> only because of Jesus, baby. And the reason you giggle is because it's true. It's true. What would possess me to drive 12 hours with a 14-year-old boy who's learning to drive? Who drove halfway here, by the way. He did a great job. I was a little scared. Because you're worth it. And because just by having this little slice of a moment, prepares me for when we're completely gathered together. And you know why we gather? Do you know why we do this? To scatter! We were scattered and God has gathered us and we do this every single week so that we can scatter to reach the scattered. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That is what we're going to talk about at camp. Because as we get a little bit deeper in camp, we're going to look at four different types of lost people. And we're going to find out that the four different types of lost people are the four different types of church people. Because they were once lost, and now they're found. Let the redeemed the Lord say so. Amen.